Special thank you to Mr. and Mrs. Ellie and Jenny Abraham from Detroit, sponsoring the shear again. This is probably number four. That's very impressive. We have Mr. Abraham joining us as well, and Aaron, always a pleasure. And this is in honor of a Rafua Shalema for Zalman Ber Ben Chana. Mitz Hashem, through our learning and all the mitzvos of the family and the Aliyah, and the steiging, everyone's growth should serve as siyata deshmaya for Rafua Shalema Bekorov. Amen. Special thank you as well to Torah Anytime for sharing this class with those of you who are not able to be here tonight, who are not enjoying the sushi presently. <laughs> we find ourselves in Parshas B'Shalach, a.k.a. Shabbos Shira. This is the Shabbos of song. Every year I like to focus on a different theme of Shira. Last year we spoke about the notion of Shira Chadosha, the concept of the song that they sang at the sea was known, or it still is, referred to as a Shira Chadosha. And this year I'd like to take a little bit of a different approach in analyzing the Simcha, the joy that we find, the unique Simcha that we find with this particular song. Klal Yisrael together crosses the Yamsuf, one of the greatest miracles throughout human history. And then together, in unison, they burst into Shira, and they join together in song. The power of music, the koach of Shira, is something that we're all very familiar with. The Apostle tells us in Sefer Yeshua that the Levim had no nachla, they had no part in Eretz Yisrael, they were not given any territory. <coughs> However, What's the Nachala of Levi? What's the inheritance of the tribe of Levi? It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's their relationship, their closeness with Hashem. That's the Nachala of Levi. Explains the Ramdu, one of the great disciples of the Ramchal. He says, we know that the unique task of the Levim is that they were singers and they were to play the instruments. Heim gormim kiruva, and they would cause a kiruv, a closeness between themselves and Hashem. Shetizdaveg imbala al nigun vahashir shalehem. They would be connected with Hashem through the shir, through the song and the music. Shemechalim esa kotsim and hakerim that would, in Kabbalistic terminology, destroy all of the kotzim, all of the thorns and the weeds within the vineyard, paving the way for that pure, unadulterated relationship with Hashem. Nimtzel of Fiza explains the Ramdu, Shibachol hashevet misasek letikun leyichud nachlas Hashem. The entire tribe of Levi, their job was creating and forging that relationship with Hashem and Klal Yisrael through what avenue? Through Shira, through song. So the starting point is, if we utilize this explosive power of Shira and we bring it into our lives. This will enhance our relationship with Hashem. Rabbi Ram Shapiro, 
one of the previous chief rabbis of Israel. He told the story one time that he was well acquainted with two different very prestigious Talmidei Chachamim and he noticed that throughout the years their families went in different directions. The fathers, right, the head of the household in each family, they were very devoted, very committed to Torah learning and Torah living. But one family, as the years went on, Rabbi Ram Shapiro saw that his children and the family in general, they didn't have that same fire. They were Shomer Torah mitzvos, they were going through the motions, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, but they didn't have the bread, they didn't have the passion. And he explained, now how he knew this for sure, I don't know, but his suggestion was, the difference between these two families, at least as an illustration, is that in family A, when the family got together for Shalashudas for the third meal on Shabbos, there were only divrei Torah, only words of Torah that were shared. In family B, where we're sensing there's more of that passion, there's more of that drive, there's more of that emotional connection, it wasn't just the words of Torah, but it was also shiros v'tishbachos, they were singing. They were singing at the table. And he thought that could make all the difference in the world. Obviously, we can never belittle the importance and the power of Torah. That's the engine, that's the motor behind everything we do. But without the emotional connection of Shira, of bringing in song and music into our Avodah Hashem, we're going to be missing a very integral part of everything we're trying to accomplish. Every morning, we have Pesukah de Zimra. Pesukah de Zimra literally means verses of song. And we know from the Gemara and the Halacha that Pesukah de Zimra, those, those uh, chapters of Tehillim, they're viewed as really a lead-in to the tefillah itself, to the brachos of Shema and then Shema, and then ultimately leading to the crescendo of the morning, which is Shemona Esrei. Many of the Sifre Machshava, the Svarim that are focused more on the philosophy, they, uh, they suggest the following idea. Psukha de Zimra, songs of praise or songs or verses of song. Zemr can mean music, but it could also mean Zmira Sakerem is the pruning, the pruning of the vineyard. What do you accomplish when you're pruning? You're taking away the old, you're somehow cutting off the dried out parts of the vegetation, and you're giving the opportunity for real tzmicha, for the sprouting of new fresh produce. So the whole notion of Pesukah de Zimra leading up to tefillah, getting us ready to have this, this uh, unique relationship through prayer with Hashem, those are verses of song, but they're really verses of pruning. Zemer, the notion of Shira, is to take away all of the different distracting thoughts that may be on our mind, to focus us solely on the task at hand. What am I saying in the davening? Is it meaningful to me? So Zemer is not just a song, but it's somehow getting rid of foreign thoughts and distractions to allow me to have more of that pristine connection through the prayer. 
When we say Pesukah de Zimra, the Sefer Haredim tells us, the Sefer Haredim going back to the 1500s in Sfas, that mitzvah lomer psukah de zimra b'neima v'korina b'beisa kinesis. The mitzvah is not to run through psukah de zimra, but to say it in a pleasant way, to actually sing those psukim. It's a hard thing to do in the morning when we're rushing off to work or to drive the kids to carpool. But the ideal way of doing psukah de zimra is through shira, it's through song. Then we get to the end of Pesukah de Zimra, and we have Ozi Ashir. This is the song of the sea. And the Mishnah Brewer tells us that when we're singing Ozi Ashir, Yomer Shiras Hayom B'Simcha, we should say it with joy. V'yidma B'dayto Ki'ilu Ba'oso Hayom Over B'yom. And we should have in mind, we should imagine that we are actually going through the Yamsuf. Right here, this morning, as we're saying the Shira Sayyam, we have to picture being there with millions of Jews going through the Red Sea. And then he concludes, one who says Az Yashir with joy, Mochelin lo avanosav, his sins will be forgiven. That's a pretty good deal. <laughs> saying every morning, Az Yashir, Bisimcha, and having in mind that I'm actually there going through this amazing, miraculous process, mochlin lo vodosav, your sins will be forgiven. So why is it so crucial that we're saying it besimcha? Why this particular tefillah, this particular part of Pesukah de Zimra, why is there a need to say it with joy? How do we actually live up to this, this idea of pretending or feeling that we're going through the Yamsuf. We're so far from that. And then the ultimate question is, how in the world does this bring forgiveness? <coughs> Saying, Shiras Hayam B'Simcha somehow brings forgiveness. How does that work? Another indication that there's something very unique about the Simcha and the joy infused with Az Yashir is in the davening itself, as we get closer to Shmon Esrei, we reference that particular historical event again. Moshe v'nei Yisrael l'cha anushira. Moshe and the Jewish people, to you they sang, b'simcha rabah, with a tremendous amount of joy. Again, why is there so much simcha with this particular song? So I want to share with you a medrash rabah. Medish Rabbah is focusing on one word, and that word is Oz. Oz. Then. Then they sang. Says the Medish Rabbah, this is source number seven. Piha Pascha Bechachma. We say this Friday night in Eshes Chayel. This comes from Mishle, that she opens her mouth with wisdom. That's referring to the Jewish people. Miyom Shebarah HaKadosh Baruch Hu Olam From the time Hashem created the universe. Va'ad She'omdu Yisrael Al Hayom 
to the point where the Jewish people were standing there by the seashore. Lo matzinu adam baruchu Yisrael. We've never found a human being who sang shira to Hashem, except the Jewish people after the Yamsuf. Bara Adam Harishon. Originally, Hashem created Adam. Lo Amar Shira. He didn't sing. Hitzel Avram Mikivshan Ha'esh. Later on in history, Avram is saved from the burning furnace miraculously and from the kings during a wartime. And he didn't say Shira either. Yitzchak was saved. He was about to be slaughtered on the Akedah. Below Amar Shira. Yaakov, through all of his trials and tribulations, fighting against the Esav, against the men of Shechem, against the Malach, Lo Amar Shira. Kevin Shabo Yisrael Yam Venikr Lehem, but once the Jewish people arrived at the Red Sea, and it splits for them, Miyad Amru Shira Lifnei Kadosh Baruch immediately, in unison, they burst into song. Oz Yosher Moshe Yisrael, then, then they sang, meaning to say, explains the Chazal, Hashem was saying, so to speak, Le'elu Hayisi Mitzapa, I've been waiting for this for years. Right, last week we spoke about the idea of Lel Shimurim, that Hashem was anticipating and looking forward to the time of redemption. And now we have Hashem looking forward to the Shira. The whole creation, Adam and Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov, nobody's singing. Finally, the Jewish people, Al Hayam. Oh, Oz Yasher. Hashem breathes a sigh of relief. Now finally somebody's singing. Then the Chazal concludes, Ve'ein Oz Ela Simcha. That expression of then has a connotation of joy. Oz, then there was joy, then finally the Jewish people were singing. What's somewhat troubling about this Medish Rabbah is the opening line, it somehow connects the song at the sea to Eshes Chayil, to Piha Pascha Bechachma. She opens her mouth with wisdom. It sounds like there was a chachma needed, there was a wisdom that was required for this particular song. What was the chachma involved with the Shira Ohayam? The main question though is that historically this does not seem to be accurate. We have many, many people, great personalities all throughout the centuries before the Jewish people standing at the Yamsuf who did sing to Hashem. The first human being, Adam Harishon, what song did he compose? Mizmar Shili Yom HaShabbos, that famous melody. That was David HaMelech. He composed that song. Avram Avinu also composed music. One of the paragraphs in Tehillim goes back to the times of Avram Avinu. He authored that particular paragraph. Yaakov, we have many, many Torah giants who were singing to Hashem well before Kalal Yisrael standing at the Yamsuf. Historically speaking, the Medish Rabbah does not seem to be accurate. 
That's problematic. So one of the, uh, the well-known commentaries, the Marzu, he has the following suggestion. He does not elaborate, but he does say structurally, the song that Klal Yisrael sang at the Yamsuf was different. What was different? Well, it's clear that there was Simcha Rabbah. There was more joy. There was more excitement. There was more enthusiasm. There was more fire that was somehow infused in that moment, in that shira. Of course there was singing beforehand. Adam HaRishon and Avram, they all sang their own songs. But it wasn't with that level of simcha. There was something special. There was something different. There was something that never happened in history until the Jewish people at the Yom It's our job to explore what was that simcha and qualitatively speaking, why was that song, why was that moment in time so incredibly different than any other song previously? Why is it that when we say Shira Sayyam every day with joy, we could have all of our sins forgiven? Where does this power of Shira Sayyam come from? Where does the power of this particular song come from? The, uh, the original Rebbe above of Rebbe Sion Halberstam, known as the Kedushas Tzion. Uh, he was known for, besides being a great tzaddik and really a builder of Hasidus in Europe, he was a wonderful Baal Menagin. Right? He would be mechadish, he would create melodies that were majestic and, and moving. The story is told that during a tish one Friday night, hundreds of Hasidim were gathered, and they were singing together, and the Rebbe was at the head of the table. There are two young men that walk in, and the Rebbe did not know these individuals, but being very perceptive, he was able to pick up on the fact that they were a little burnt out. They weren't happy and healthy in their Judaism. So immediately he turned to the Gabbai and he made the, uh, the gesture to sing a particular song. Right? And they started singing together. That song went for about 15 minutes. And that, by the way, parenthetically, that's how you tell the difference between a Litvak and a Hasid. Right? <laughs> a Litvak is, we're supposed to sing this part twice and then the chorus once. If you want to do it again, then you could do it again, but not more than twice. <laughs> Real Hasidus, there's no such thing as having any kind of measure twice, one time. You're just getting started after four or five times. You've got to get into the zone. So they spend 15 minutes on this particular melody. And then the tish went on. After that song, though, the Rebbe could tell that in those two young men there is a different feeling. There is a different uh, vibe. And they ended up coming closer, and they sat near the table of the Rebbe, and uh, that was the tish. The next day, the family, the parents of those two boys, have a meeting with the Rebbe. And they told him, you should know that our sons have been struggling together. They've been good friends for many years. They never found their niche in the system, so to speak. They actually came to the Tish to make trouble. They had no real goal of being there and hanging out and singing. 
But you should know there was one particular song that you sang and you shared with all the Hasidim that moved them to the core where not only did they choose not to make trouble, but they were inspired to start learning more Torah. Now what actually happened to these young men, I don't know. Hopefully the story ends well. But it's a little bit of an illustration that one song, one melody in the right way, in the right time, with the right focus, it could change you. It could change you forever. The Gemara in Megillah has a famous passage where it says that after the Jewish people went to the Yamsuf, the, uh, the Malachi Hasharais, the angels, wanted to sing Shira. And Hashem said back to them, Masayadai Tovin Bayam Vatem Omrim Shira, my creations, they're dying at the sea. The Egyptians are drowning. And you're going to start singing? How inappropriate is that? You have no right to sing Shira, Hashem told the angels. You have no right to sing Shira. Keep your mouth shut. People are dying. It's true they were evil. But we don't rejoice at the downfall of the wicked. A human being is a human being. So the angels were not allowed to sing Shira. What is the most obvious question we could possibly ask? One second. If the Malachim were not allowed to sing Shira because there were thousands of people who were dying, then how in the world were the Jewish people allowed to sing Shira? Not only were they allowed to sing Shira, but it seems like that was one of the, the high points of all of our history. Singing together that prophetic song. How did Klal Yisrael have the allowance to sing when Hashem told the Malachim to keep your mouth shut? This is the famous question of Rav Aaron Cutler. Rav Aaron Cutler explains that there are two types of Shira. There are two reasons or two ways a person is able to sing. The first is probably the most common form of shira. Is it's, it's an expression of an emotion. I'm saying thank you. I'm singing Hallel. We're singing together. I'm sharing my feelings of gratitude. <coughs> That's number one. The second form of shira is not expressing how I feel, but it's actually creating how I feel. It's not a manifestation of something that I have inside where the only way I could possibly share it with you is through the mode of song or music. But it's actually a creation of that mindset. Says of Aaron Cutler in source number 11, Song could give us the ability to actually have a deeper awareness and recognition of Hashem and the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in control of every aspect of life. It gives us that expansive view that everything I see, everything I experience, every relationship I have, it's all HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a deeper recognition of Ein Od Melvado. Everything is Hashem. When we say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Achad, we're not saying Hashem is one. Hashem is one and not two. It's so much deeper than that. 
we're saying Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Achar Hashem is everything. Everything is a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So a shira can be an expression of my feelings of gratitude or excitement or love, but it could also create a deeper sense of awareness and recognition, a deeper understanding that everything is a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Explains of Aaron Cutler. Why in the world would the Malachim want to sing? Is it possible for Malachim to gain in their hakara, in their understanding or insider recognition? No. Malachim are defined as omdim. They're stationary. There's no such thing as growth. There are different levels of Malachim, but whatever kind of Malach you are, you're not going anywhere. You're not moving up or down. So the only reason to sing Shira would be an expression of Hakara Satov, thanking Hashem, praising Hashem. That's what Malachim do all the time. And that's wonderful. That's your job. That's the main mission of a Malach, is to sing Shira. But you have no right to say, thank you Hashem, even though Kalal Yisrael was saved, human beings are dying, people are suffering. Don't sing right now. But for the Jewish people who actually went through this, and they experienced firsthand the amazing Yad Hashem, and they felt that love and connection like they never did before, and they all screamed out together, they had such a vivid, real sense of God in their lives. Why were they singing? It wasn't just to say thank you. It was to take the moment and transcend it, to use it to grow to use it to, to take everything that I'm seeing and feeling and somehow maximize the reality around me, I could only maximize it through Shira. So for Klal Yisrael, you're doing it for growth? Okay, that makes sense. That kind of Shira is something that Hashem felt was allowed, it was permitted, and it was necessary. Psychologically, it was necessary for them to be able to sing Shira to really assimilate and incorporate all of the, the, the power of that particular moment. Explains Rabbi Ruchim Olshin, one of the great Rosh Yeshiva in Lakewood, based on this notion that there are two types of songs, there are two reasons why we sing Shira, we could understand the Medrash Rabbah. There were many people throughout history, including Adam and Avram and many others, who sang Shira, but why did they sing? It was more saying thank you to Hashem. It was more that first category of Shira, to express a Karasatov. But Hashem was waiting for something else. As the time went on, Hashem was mitzapa, Hashem was yearning for when will Klal Yisrael be able to utilize Shira in a different, more powerful way? Not just as a tool to share with other people how I feel, but as a mechanism of actually growing and steiging and transcending my prior level. Oz Yosher, then, that one moment in time crossing the Yamsuf, that's what Hashem was waiting for. There were many, many hundreds of thousands of songs up until this point in history. But this quality of a shira, this way of utilizing the music to transcend, this was a whole new dimension that was brought into the world. Eli Wiesel, he tells, it's probably somewhat of a famous story, 
that when he was a young man, there was uh, one particular day, and it's hard to categorize one day as any more severe or torturous than another day when you're talking about Gehenna. But there was one particular day that the people he was with were so incredibly devastated, were feeling such a sense of despair and hopelessness. And some of the Russian prisoners they were together with got their hands on some rat poison. And it was said that it was very strong, strong enough even in a small amount to kill a human being. And the person who found the poison was offering anybody who would like to take their life, you can please line up here, and I'm willing to share it with whoever wants to partake. Elie Wiesel said that all of the adolescents, pretty much everyone in his age group, they all lined up and they were committed to ending their lives right there and then. They were so done with that Gehenna. And here was the opportunity. A small amount, life can be over, all the suffering can be put aside, I'm in. And Elie Wiesel said about himself that at that moment in time, as he was standing in line, he had no doubt whatsoever that this was his decision, this is what he was doing, I'm done! I can't take this anymore. He said, we were all standing there together, and there is this one chassid from Vizhnitz, where he started walking in the line, and he started off very slow and low, singing the ancient Vizhnitz nigin, Frani Mamin Bamuna Shalema. And he said, at first, it was kind of eerie, almost annoying, but he kept on pacing back and forth, singing that melody, and it got louder and more powerful, and eventually we, the young men standing in the line, we started singing along. And then we found ourselves singing together, pouring out our hearts and souls, expressing our Amunah Shalem and Hashem, Proclaiming that one day Hakadosh Baruch Hu will bring the Geula, singing Animamin b'Muna Shulema, and all of a sudden we had no, no aspirations. We had no plans anymore of committing suicide. He said, "I found that person many, many years later. I recognized his voice as he was leading the services Friday night. He was singing Lachad Dodi." And right away, I knew that was so familiar. Who is that? And I realized who it was. It was that chassid from Vizhenditz. I went over to him, and I told him, by the way, you should know. And at this point, he was already well known as Elie Wiesel, right? somewhat famous, the spokesman. He said, you saved my life. And he had no recollection. And he reminded him, when you went and you were pacing back and forth in that line, as we were waiting for the rat poison, hearing that nigan of an imamin that saved my life. So music can be an expression of the soul, but even more so, it could build the soul. It could transform you. It could uplift you. And that's what happened at the Yamsuf. Rav Nachman Mibreslav, he writes in source number 11, Nigun shir yesh lehem koach gadol. Music has such a powerful transformative force. 
It's able to draw a person closer to Hashem. After last week, using that phrase, coming closer to Hashem, had a conversation or two. It's a wonderful idea, but how do you do that practically? How do you implement that into your lives? It's the hardest thing in the world to actually do. We could learn about it. We could, we could talk about it. But to actually make the, the moves to come closer to Hashem conceptually and emotionally, it's so incredibly difficult. This is one powerful way of actually doing so. Rav Nachman Breslov is telling us, Koach Baruch. It could bring me closer to a Kaddish Baruch Hu through the melody. Alkein tovla adam lahargil es atzmo lachayos es atzmo. We should habituate ourselves to breathing life into our very beings. Bechol pam al through any particular melody that moves you. In the tradition of Slobodka and other great Musar yeshivas in pre-war Europe, the way they would learn Musar, and this should be, Mitzvah Shem soon, another conversation, delving into the, uh, the concept of Musar Behispailus, Musar meditation. That was one of the main innovations of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. Mitzvah Shem, we'll, uh, we'll speak about that. But one of the main parts of that meditation was finding a melody finding a, a, a song that moves you, and then using that to find the right words, if it's coming from a safer or it's just a thought, and saying it over and over again to have a real impact. To bring joy and devekus and closeness to Hashem through the melody. This is true every day of our lives, but especially on Shabbos and Yantif, or at a chasana, at the time of a mitzvah. We had a couple of weeks ago, those of you who are here for Shabbos, Orlando is the security guard from Cambridge, and he is a fine, upstanding human being. So my family was in town from Los Angeles, and I was schmoozing with Orlando. We'd become very close over the many weeks. And uh, he was asking, what is a Shabbos meal like? Expressing some curiosity. I said, come on by. We live five homes away. My boys were so excited to have Orlando come for, to eat Cholent. <clears throat> so he came by after uh, his service over here. He was shooting some hoops in the front yard with my boys. And then he joined me and my family. And we had our Shabbos suited together. Good conversations, some singing. And then uh, he left after about an hour or so. He really enjoyed himself. The following Shabbos, I was speaking with Orlando. I think last Shabbos he went to the Greenwald. Right? So now every Shabbos he has a new minic of trying out different families. And he said, I, I appreciated so much coming and you inviting me into your home. I've never seen that kind of joy in a family. But more than that, he said, the fact that you guys are sitting around the table and singing songs, like that's unheard of, man. <laughs> You're singing songs? Like, who does that? And we take it for granted. Right? You imagine anyone living in the secular world trying to get your family together, right? your 16-year-old daughter, 
to have her come downstairs and join you at the table to sing a song. It's ridiculous, right? <laughs> There's no way. That's the power of music, though. And when we see it as an outsider, we appreciate it. Befrat b'Shabbos and Yontif. The Yalkut Shmoni tells us that the Bnei Korach, the sons of Korach, were ambivalent. They weren't sure whether or not they should be following their father and his rebellion against Moshe and his leadership, or whether they should support Moshe. And they didn't know what to do, all the way until the point where they were actually sinking into the ground. Right? A very, very, almost uh, surreal image. They were on their way to Gehenna. They were about to die, and they were still in this dilemma. Do we follow Dad, or do we go with Moshe Rabbeinu? They weren't sure. Says the Yalkut Shmoni, what did they do to finally make their decision? Sha'amru Shira, they started to sing. And at that moment, through the koach of the nigun, through the power of the melody, they were able to fight through all of that fog. They were able to cut away the thorns and the weeds and see clarity, with clarity, that Moshe Rabbeinu is truth. We have to follow Moshe. We can't support our father in this particular endeavor. That saved their lives. It was the song that was able to uplift them and to give them that insight as to what they needed to do. That's the power of Shira. So the Mishnah Bura says, when we say it every morning with joy, our sins can be forgiven. Where does that idea come from? So there's a Yalkut Shmoni as well in Parshas B'Shalach that seems to be the source of this ruling of the Mishnah Bura. In number 15, the Yalkut Shmoni tells us that when we sing the Shira Sayam, it's known that our sins can be forgiven. And we become like a new creation. It's almost as if, forgive the expression, we're born again. We become a new human being. So why do I have this, this opportunity to gain Mahila? Because I'm no longer the same person I was three minutes ago. I'm a Bria Chadasha, I'm a new human being. How in the world did I become a new human being? Through the song. When we actually tap into that power, right, the original composers and singers of the Shira Sayyam, that they didn't just say this as an expression of what they were feeling, but this was actually a way of transforming themselves, when we tap into that same mindset and we become on some level a Bria Chadasha, a new person through the Shira, so then yes, I can gain forgiveness because I'm a new human being. I don't have those same limitations, those, those same issues holding me down as I did before I started to sing. Why do we say Besimcha Rabbah? What's the joy of Az Yashir? This is the joy. The joy is that if we utilize it well, we could recreate ourselves. We could start over again. I could be a Bria Chadasha every single morning. Right? It's, it's, it's difficult. 
it's it's bordering on 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 impossible to really picture as if I was there when I wasn't there, at least physically. But the idea is conceptually to realize this can change me. Music can change me if I utilize it well. That brings me so much joy. That's why it's called chachma. Why is there wisdom needed? Just to express yourself doesn't require that much chachma. But to be able to recreate yourself, to be able to transform yourself through the power of the shira, that requires chachma. That's a deeper recognition that Hashem is everything, that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is Einod Milvado. That's not a simple process. That requires wisdom, that requires thought. Now I want to end with the application of Shira to a time where we're not actually singing. Because some of us may not be that musically inclined. Right? All this conversation about singing Okay, it's nice for, for those guys, but I'm tone deaf. I don't sing. And whenever I do, my wife says, please be quiet. <laughs> I'm like the Malachi Ashares, where Hashem says, no, I'm sorry. Sorry, you can't sing. So if, if I'm that kind of person, I'm not so into uh, Tashira, to music, how can, this, uh, how can this idea change me? There's a powerful and famous Gemar in Gittin that speaks about the incident involving 400 boys and girls when they were taken captive by the Romans and they were being brought back to the Roman Empire to be used for uh, terrible and moral things. And the Gemara tells us they made the decision that they're going to take their own lives, they're going to jump off the boat into the raging sea. They wanted to know whether or not it was correct. Usually, we're never allowed to take our own life, but in this particular situation, putting aside the halachic rationale, the answer that was given was, yes, you're allowed to do so. The girls did it, and they inspired the boys, and the boys did it as well. They all took their own lives. In the Kidna on Tishabov, when we reference this particular event, the author of the Kinna writes, Shir v'tishbochos shoru ka'al yom. Those boys and girls were singing songs and praises to Hashem as they were drowning in the water, just like the song that was sung at Kriyas Yamsuf, just like the Jewish people were singing when they crossed the Yamsuf. They were chanting, they were singing that we're dying for you, Hashem. We're giving our lives in the depths of the sea. It's a poetic, tragic kina. But when you ask the very real question, were these boys and girls really singing? Were they really singing as they were jumping into the water? and trying to take their last breath? I don't think so. I don't think that really happened. So what does that mean? What is the author of the Kinnah telling us? Shir v'tishbocho shoru ka'al yom They were singing and, and sharing praises to Hashem just like Klal Yisrael did at the Yamsuf, just like the greatest song ever composed and shared in the history of humanity. I think the message here is is that you don't have to literally be singing to live a life of Shiro. 
You don't have to have a good voice. You don't have to be musically inclined. You don't have to have that talent. By having the hakara, by living the result of shira, by having that recognition and that belief and that deep-rooted faith, living with an awareness that everything is a Kaddish Baruch Hu, even when I'm not singing, that's a life of shira. That's a life of song. That's a life of music. There are many, many different ways of arriving at this level of clarity, this level of recognition of Hashem. Shir v'tishbachos doesn't mean those boys and girls were actually singing, but their masiras nefesh, their giving of their lives, their understanding that nothing comes before my faith in God, that's a life of shira. That's true in how we give our lives, but that's even more true in how we live our lives. Ravigda Miller writes that his bonanus hazos, this contemplation, this awareness, this appreciation of life in every aspect of life, he hashira mitis. This is the truest form of song. We don't have to actually be singing, we don't have to play any instruments. We could live a life of shira when we live with our eyes open, when we live with a deep-rooted sense of Enod Milvado. Everything is Hashem. We should all be Zoha in this Shabbos shira through real songs to infuse it more in our lives. If it's Friday night davening, if it's Shabbos, Friday night or Shabbos day, or even during the week, utilize the Koach Hashira, get into, tap into the power of music because it's transformative. And to live a life of Shir V'tishbachos.